Listening Dog Media. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the hot mess mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our hot mess mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Pub podcast. I'm Kelly Pegg. And hello, I'm Jenny Powell. Our guests this week, you may know them from spinning their decks on Love Island's After Sun, but Lisa and Alana McFarlane are not just top DJs, they are the co-founders of The Gut Stuff, and you probably know them better as the Mac Twins. Hello, ladies. Hello. We're delighted to be working with Cooker throughout this series. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be telling you all about their brilliant boiling water taps and the fantastic addition they are to any family home. I say it like that because I love it. Not only do they save time, cooker taps are the most energy and water efficient appliance in the kitchen. A child safe double push and turn mechanism also helps to protect curious kids. And curious mothers are 89 by the way. <laughs> For more information visit cooker.co.uk, uh, cooker spelled Q-U-O-O-K-E-R of course. Our hot mess mums telling it like it is. Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. It's a distant memory now. No? <laughs> I know. I bet it does. Is that is that because you try and erase it from it? Love Island. Can I just say, guys, it was banned from my house. Oh really? I've got two daughters, and I was like, you're not watching that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, is it? So, Alana, now you've got a little a wee girl there. I bet your your thoughts have changed as well. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because we we were on the show when it was at the sort of height of it, and it's yeah. it was yeah. just like. Mad how how big it was. Because it was the after show that, God love her, Caroline Flat used to host. And it was when everyone was talking about it. And there, you two, everyone loved you because you were the the DJs, you know. And that's sort of how you had your break with with TV and everything, isn't it? Yeah, actually, do you know what? It looks like what everyone always says about the show, all of the sounds. And you'll know as well, I have worked in telly, it used to come through the decks. Mm. Everyone was just like, are you just miming? I think it's like, no, we were in charge. The producers used to sweat every Sunday. All the <laughs> really? And all the sounds for the entire show came through our decks because there was no other way they could hook it up. So every oh Sunday, just gosh. like the floor manager is just sweating, like, please, girls, you can do it. So like the intro and the outro from the ad came from yeah. us. That is serious responsibility. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Well, we could actually DJ because we used to get so many messages on Twitter like, are they actually DJing? <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, yes, we are. Um, Everybody's so suspicious and so cynical, aren't they, sometimes? It's, it's mad. Like, when we first started, I know we're not here to talk about DJ, we're talking about... But, no, but, it's fine. Like, we used to get, you know, we, we when we first started DJing, like, 10 years ago, there wasn't that many female DJs, but the amount of stick that we used to get from guys in clubs, like, you're not actually yeah. mixing, I'm like, do you want to come and watch me then? Come on. We were playing in Belgium at this super club, and obviously clubs there, it's like 7,000 people. And we had a row of yeah. six guys behind us checking for a mixing. Mm. Like this is the worst, but stand if you want, my friend, because I've got an hour to prove myself. Not that I have to prove myself to you, but yeah, just mad. You see, you don't think about that in the in this day and age, you know, with with the whole sexism thing, because you you associate sort of DJing and clubbing with every you know young people who are far more sort of accepting, and you know there's equality. It just reigns from now now on. But you see, you're still getting it there. Yeah. It's a man's world, though, I guess, isn't it? You know, it's got that connotation to it. There's because mm. there's not been, sadly, enough of big sort of female DJs. It's it's a bit like you know the media can be like that as well, where it's always thought of as men do it. So when women do do it and they break through, everyone's mm. so sort of cynical and questioning everything. Yeah, and I is... bet they were sort of saying to you, "Oh, yeah, you, you're just a novelty because you're twins." It's like the big marketing ploy, you know. I bet, and I bet that goes for a lot of things you've done together. Yeah. And we, did, we never wanted to work together. Like our obituaries will, will, will make sense, but like I was meant to do law and business at uni, and Lisa was meant to do medicine. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we had completely different careers. Like um, I owned a performance school, and Lisa was a theatre producer um, and consulted for the government. And then it was just by chance that we started working together because we really didn't. We didn't even want to be in the same class at school. We weren't even when we could choose at high school. We weren't. <laughs> we wanted to be so different. So my mum always laughs yeah. at us now because she's like. The fact that you're actually working, we went to uni in different countries. Do you know what I mean? Working together is just, yeah, mad. Was that to break up the whole twin thing? Because when you are twins, everyone's like, wear the same clothes and the same things. And and, uh, we had Jenny Frost on and she's got two twins and she said, I dress them differently and I want them to be different because I don't want that for them. So was that your sort of both of you thinking, we're not going to be stuck together like everyone expects us to be? Yeah was like kind of conscious and then not like I think well basically our parents were like we were both like we want to go to London and I auditioned for drama school and I auditioned for dance school and they were like right one of you is going down because we can't afford for both of you to go and um, so it was literally whose letter came through the door first and one it was a bit more oh. settled because you had a boyfriend and you were a bit more of a home bird and um, but it's the best thing we've ever done separating um at that time and we're just so different as well like personality wise we're completely opposites mm. which works now that we run our own business because we have completely different heads and you know we mm. each we're quite separate and we've got a big team now so we you know we rarely come together apart from stuff mm. like this um, and I think that I may have played a big part but we were just very different people but um, our strengths are each other's weakness and vice versa which which works in a business sense and it worked with DJing as well because you know I played a lot of cheesy pop stuff and Lisa liked R&B and hip hop and when we were on one extra that sort of sung to her tunes and then we were on Virgin Radio and like yeah. you know the more poppy stuff Oh, and congratulations, Alana. We can't avoid the fact, well, not avoid, no, not that we want to, but just obviously to say congratulations for the birth of Arabella. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, nobody tells you. <laughs> if, if you knew, the world wouldn't go, the world wouldn't keep turning. Like, people wouldn't have sex <laughs> if you knew what yeah. it was going to be like. <laughs> oh, woman after my own heart. That's exactly it. And that is, that's the, th- that's the one main thing. That's exactly what I said. I said, nobody told, nobody told me this. Nobody. <laughs> You know, I didn't even 
know I had to give birth to my placenta. I'm like, <laughs> why does no one tell you these things? I know. Just when you've done, you've been through all that, and then it's like, what? I've got to squirt that yeah. out as well. I mean, yeah, I know. So, Terrific. Nobody tells you any of it. Well, you've done good. It's only four weeks in, so um, you know, sixteen weeks in. Sorry, so it's so. Um, is it four four months? Yeah, four months. So, you know, I remember the sort of those sort of like stages. And my mum would say, "Yeah, you get to three months and things will level out a bit, and you'll feel a bit like normal." And then, just, yeah, you'll get to about six months and things will level out a bit, and then you'll feel like normal. Is that what you're getting? Yeah, all the false hope. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah, three yeah. months you're thingy, but then you've got the four months sleep regression, and then you've got the weaning, and then you've got, and I'm like, okay, so you just never get. You're just, I'm just going to be this anxious and worried for next month. <laughs> Okay. It doesn't. It doesn't mm. stop. It doesn't. So I've got a twenty-one-year-old now, and it's just. It just changes. You know, it's a different kind of worry and anxiety. You know, and um, then Kelly's got a complete different again because um, her her kids are yeah. much younger. My, I've got four and eight-year-old. Yeah, so it's tiring. My son still doesn't sleep. In his Don't four, tell her that. So um, Kelly, I <laughs> know I shouldn't say that, but he doesn't. <laughs> I know. Uh, my daughter did. She was a good, a good, but good, really good baby and toddler. But she's a bit of a night. She's eight, and I don't know. I was going to talk to Jenny about this. This is separate, but um, she's quite yeah. difficult at the moment. Yeah, Apparently, eight-year-olds are awful. We actually, so. We're all here for each other. Yeah, exactly. We actually used to nanny while we DJ'd, so we nannied. Oh, and when the kids got wow. to seven, eight. It's just yeah, that attitude, really. But seemingly it's because they start to realise oh, yeah. where they sit in the outside world. Mm-hmm. So it's all quite overwhelming. For them. Yeah, it is. But I remember that. It is. It used to come from them and I would be... Oh, it's awful. She said the other day, can I have an Alexa, please? Bearing in mind, right, we've had Christmas and she was thoroughly spoiled and she's had other things over and before Christmas as well. She was a, a very spoiled. And uh, I said, well, you've got all this cash in her, but she saves up all her money from like grandparents. She's got wads of it. And and every now and again, I have to go to the bank and put it in her savings account. And I said to her, you've got all that money in your room. Why don't you treat yourself, you know, like a grown up and buy that Alexa yourself? And she went, no, mum, I'm keeping that cash. That's what you're for, buying the things that I want. And she just came out with yeah, it and walked off. It. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. my it's God. All changing. So. Sorry, sorry, Lisa. This is, a, I mean, well, you you know, because you were yeah. nannying as well with Alana, yeah. but uh, you're shaking your head and you're thinking, why did you bother? <laughs> no, Alana, um, yeah. because Arabella is like genetically half mine, she's basically my burn. I go, like, she's oh. the best thing to ever. She's actually my favorite thing in the oh. whole world. Oh, really? But you get to give her back, you see. As lovely as that is, if she gives you a migraine. You know what? I'm so bad as well. Like, even when she cries, I'm like, bye. I'll just hand her back. But it's because she looks at me like, looks like mom, sounds like mom. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Have a little. So, and I'm like, no, honey, that's wrong boob. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) So, if there's any kind of like attachment issues you might get later on down the line. You know, you can just uh, just just share yeah. the load. You know, take the ease off. So, um, oh, we could. Uh, I know this is going to be a great chat. Um, and and the, I'm just looking <laughs> down at my notes. Right? Should I just should I just you know just scribbled a few things down? And what I've put is poo in the post. <laughs> if there's anything that we can spend an hour talking about, it's poo. On a yeah. baby front, Lisa's also got oh. a dog blue who has the biggest poos. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, also from a business point of view, we can we can talk about poo. <laughs> How what, how did it go to the gut stuff? How do you go from being these DJs that are filling these big clubs and, you know, on Love Island 
from that to the gut stuff, what happened? What inspired you? So we volunteer for Twin Research, which is the research facility at King's College, um, under Tim Spector, who you'll probably see on and off the news loads because he made the COVID, sympt- COVID symptom study app. Um, but he's also written a couple of books and he uh, heads up the Twin Research Department because twins are a great constant uh, for medical research. Um, so we started there and you get everything tested from like bone density to mental dexterity of which Alana has denser bones but I'm more mentally dexterous so there we are it's so weird it's like a twilight zone when you go to like loads of sets of twins and you get loads of tests done anyway Tim Spector was like do you guys want to have your guts analysed? And we were like, what do you mean our beer bellies? And he was like, sort of. Um, basically, we had really different health pathways growing up. So Alana had arthritis and I didn't. I had really bad acne and she didn't. You can work out who got the worst deal. Um, and the Human Genome Project had just happened in the States. They realised that they could sequence people's DNA and then use big data um, to make assumptions about people's health. And they could use that same technology to sequence your gut microbiome. And we were like, what is that? Anyway, turns out we were the first set of twins to have it done under Tim. And as we were going through the research, Alana and I obviously asked like a scrolling questions because I did all the sciences as well at high school. So I was like, oh my God, I was like scratching a niche that I hadn't had. But not only were we speaking to like gastroenterologists, we were speaking to immunologists, the head of Parkinson's research. And like, we were like, this microbiome thing is a lot wider spread than just digestive health. Um, So long story short, we set up the gutstuff.com purely because our pals were like, one minute you're on the British red carpet interviewing people for your radio station and the next minute you're at Reading University talking about probiotics what's going on and we were like just that gut stuff just that gut stuff um and we set up the website just to put up some of the studies that we were involved with really and because you know we were in terms of nutrition advice we used to do like the cabbage soup diet the cooking diet and just like fell foul to all sorts of fads and not if we can't be told the same diet then no one can so it kind of was like not only is this thing linked to so much more than we thought it was, but also a lot of the nutritional advice that out there is not only wrong, but actually potentially quite dangerous. So, um, yeah, so we set up the gossip.com and then fast forward to now. Yeah, it's its own beast. I think, well, like just sort of tying it into what we were speaking about earlier on the Love Island front is that, you know, that generation very much, and, and our generation still very much think of and health as the outside in. You know, and we were like, we are actually going to turn it on his head and thinking about what's on the inside, you know, reflects what's on the outside. And we just became really passionate about, you know, thinking about, you know, where we're from really working class Scotland and health is just not being ill and wellness is something that Gwyneth Paltrow talks about. And it's like, you know, everyone, like everyone deserves, like we wanted to democratise health and wellness industry and just make the information more accessible and really get it to people that, that need it most because it's it's so important yeah it's awareness really that we're lacking and education and it should start really from the word go uh, uh, and we were talking before about seven and eight year olds and they always say you even that you know with your uh, what you're eating and and with your you know, sort of what's going on inside a lot of that is sort of you know it's it's established by seven isn't it a lot of things, a lot of habits and a lot of, you know, even with your sort of your mental health, etc. So um, it's interesting. Um, it's a, There's a class barrier as well, though, when you talk about like, where you're from. And, you know, so I was raised by my nan. She's working class and very, very similar. No idea at all of of what we are learning now. And there is a definite class barrier. That's a huge issue, you know, that, that people from more sort of, uh, less privileged mm. areas and backgrounds don't have access to that that and th- that kind of you know nutritional advice and 
the tools to to help them really you know and that's really sad particularly in this day and age um and I think that that is something that should be brought into schools as well you know because like you say when people go well we've got health you know what's that and it's exactly like my our dad died of a heart attack in his 50s and you know so a lot of his group of friends a lot of them are are dead now and my dad should be Mm. only be 60 early 60s now do Mm. you know what I mean and yeah and I, I truly believe it's because you know of the of education and, and not having mm. that awareness and I I think if my dad knew what we knew now he'd still be here and mm. that you know there's lots of reasons why we have a fire in our belly and you know we're we've sort of left that DJ world to move into this world and and that's one of them you know I think and the schools thing is really interesting we're actually piloting uh um up for the, the gut stuff to be on the food tech curriculum it was piloted mm. last oh. month so there's a lot of year nines and year 11s making veggie chili in Alana um so they had like a gut stuff module um which is great and very surreal but they are really open to it they just kind of get it kids are like they don't have any misconceptions they don't care about weight loss they've not got all these barriers to like construct don't think about money they don't think about um they're just like oh right I should be eating more fiber cool yeah or it makes sense Mm. that I should be having stuff that's seasonal and from Mm. the ground because they don't go to supermarkets and see how, you know, fast moving goods ham and how much artificial nonsense they have in a lot of them and things like that. They're just like really clear because all this stuff we're talking mm. about isn't, um, you know, some magic pill that's created in a lab that's a hundred million squid. It's basically what our grand used to tell us, like all the stuff. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. I think kids yeah. accept that. Whereas we try and because mm commercial how when you commercialize these things they have to put like magic bullets and magic pills and this is going to change your life when actually it's the stuff that isn't sexy like going back to basics it's not cool it's not innovative it's just about yeah going back to basics and that's where all the science is pointing so I think the main thing as well is because you know obviously it's all about the gut is um why it's all about the gut um because a lot of people still don't will have no idea about the connection between the gut and your health mentally, physically, just for, you know, for preventing disease, for your peace of mind and being happy. So, you know, I'm sure you're much better explaining than me. I do think that that's what really got us revved up when we found out. So when we talk about gut health, we're talking about the health of two things. Um, Yes, you know, your digestive tract and everything from mouth to bum and what that means and how well that functions or not. Um, But also your microbiome. We were like, uh, sorry, what? We first heard that, but it's basically bacteria, fungi, viruses. They all live in, around and on us. Um, they have done since the dawn of time. Um, we used to think that they outnumbered our human cells 10 to 1, but what we now think is that it's probably 1 to 1.3. So for every one human cell, there's a, uh, there's uh, your microbiome represents 1.3 of that. Um, and they do so much for us, including regulating blood sugar levels, helping metabolize, well, vitamins, they produce vitamins. Um, and science is just starting to uncover what they do and why, and that we need to be starting to consider them because, you know, particularly in Western society as well, we over sanitize things, obviously in this day and age, but we live quite sedentary lifestyles, the overuse of antibiotics. And I yeah. think we have created an environment that these bacteria are struggling to you know survive and thrive in because and I think that mm-hmm. all of the swaps and when we were going through the studies Alana and I's gut microbiome was only around 30 we don't only around 30 percent the same bacteria so it was nothing to do you know we're identical twins and we practically had the same 
composition as strangers, which was really interesting for us because it just shows you how um, how much it can be changed, which is exciting, and how much if you start to think about these little guys um, and feed them and um, feed them the right things, and you know, there's so much other factors which I'm sure you will get onto. Um, it's really important, and actually, the kind of things that we talked about before was it doesn't have to be inaccessible. Um, it doesn't have to be a magic pill. It's all really simple stuff. And yeah, we just, you know, first when we first found out, we were like, oh my God, wash me. There's all these things that have ended on me. And the reason also as well why we call it, why gut health, um, where they're mostly closely linked to gut health because there's a skin microbiome and lots of other things as well, is because most of them are housed within our large intestine. Um, and they do everything from, you know, 70% of your immune system's housed in your gut, 95% of your serotonin, the happy hormone is produced in your gut. Um, and just these kind of penny drop moments, you're like, oh yeah, like that makes sense. And not yeah. only that, like it can be overwhelming to think that your gut is linked to absolutely everything. Mental health is Yes. I'm sure we'll talk about gut brain access, but also one in four people in the UK suffer from a digestive issue. So that is a whole, you know, subset of people, quarter of the population who are who suffer from can be really debilitating digestive issues. So you've got that, but then you've got, you know, this big message that we always try and shout about is that, you know, we should all be looking after our gut and not just you know, when talking even there's more research coming out in pregnancy and and, um, you know, in kids and all that sort of thing as well. You know, we should all be starting to thinking about our gut and especially for that younger generation, thinking about it from a preventative point of view as well is is key, I think, to helping our health healthcare system in the future. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's so important and we can't stress enough about um, how important gut health is. But as you say, you know, we were the same. We were like, what you, what's my gut? What do you mean? You know, a lot the majority yeah. of us biologically don't know what our gut is you know we would have just said it was our stomachs where it is actually everything from from mouth to bum and then you chuck the microbiome in the mix and people go whoa I'm out too complicated bye it's interesting isn't that that expression I've got that gut feeling you know because what you know from what we're talking about you start to think about the layers of what that really means and why you know that that expression has come about in the first place because it kind of makes sense just from what we're talking about right now yeah so you're- if your gut's not right you're like mm. and it does it affects absolutely everything yeah and the and the gut brain axis is a really exciting field of research i think you know i think it's been sensationalized a lot in the press so i think we have to be careful but Yes. Um, your gut and your brain are, are actually linked by a physical, it's called the vagus nerve, nothing to do with Las Vegas. Um, so it's, a, it's connected by a physical, uh, you know, the vagus nerve, but it's also um, neurotransmitters. Talk. So we always say the, the vagus nerve is like the phone line and the neurotransmitters are like a WhatsApp, like constantly um, talking and, and sending messages. But we, you know, originally when we talked about gut feeling or you know if you were nervous or anxious you would get butterflies in your tummy or saw the person you fancied or whatever that was the the your brain that connection brain down but we now know that it goes up as well um so it you know the links between gut health and mental health are huge but um you know we have to really be careful when we talk about it at the gut stuff because my, mental health is multifactorial but just knowing that there's a connection is is just absolutely fascinating and it's exciting because it's a tool in your armory for mental health that is something that you can do and you can change pretty quickly you mentioned pregnancy you touched on that those big um health changes in our lifestyle as women when we become pregnant or when we start perimenopausal life as well mm. how much does our gut change then do you so do you then have to sort of realign and think right okay now I need to learn more now about what 
I should be doing with regards to my gut health because I'm pregnant or because I'm perimenopausal. Yeah, so the, the, the links between gut health and hormones are huge and, and our microbiome actually helps regulate our hormones. But with pregnancy, what um, a mum eats when the baby's in utero affects the baby when even they're born, even to things like behaviour, which is fascinating, all this new research coming out of what the... But for me, to be totally honest with you, I found it quite overwhelming knowing that when I was pregnant because you're just trying to get through the day. I mean, if you're very sick as well, which a lot of women were, and I, and I certainly was with my daughter, that there's only so many things that you'll stomach or that will stay down, and often they're not the things you'd like them to That's be. What I was just going to say, so you know, there's. I think we have enough mum guilt anyway, and that yeah, in pregnancy, yeah. but that's got a lot to do with it. And you know, when I fell pregnant, I was like to our head of nutrition. What 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 should I have? And she's like, Alana just wait she's like you need to have you know you need to have what your body's telling you to have and be kind to it and but you know because one of the big things that we say of gut health is, is variety so as many different types of, of fruit and veg and plants basically as you can yeah. in, in a week and you know when you know it's like the first 12 weeks if you're sick just looking at anything that's green you're like not for me thank you yeah. um, so she was like you know start thinking about put it into soups and smoothies and, and things like that and and you know but it is so interesting that yeah the, there's a new research around what uh the diversity so the different types of bacteria and in, in, in the mum's microbiome when the baby was in utero how that affected child behavior for the first 18 months mind-blowing that's wow. mind-blowing isn't it yeah, wow. it's also it's scary because with my son, every single day for the whole nine months, I was just like, it was like a hangover. It was the worst. And I was so depressed, like very depressed with, with Heath. and just, I felt awful every day. And I was constantly retching. So my husband would be holding my hair back in the hedge when we were going for a walk with the dogs. It was just awful. And I loved sausages, which I hate in real life. And I don't eat really. And, um, and Chinese <laughs> And I mean, he is an arsehole of a child. So now I know this is my fault. I know, and that's the thing. Like you can't. There's also a lot of other factors that that play into it. You know, for example, how they're born, C-section, vaginally breastfed. Right. Oh wow. Um, that all comes into that's it as well. So we do touch on that um, at the gut stuff. But again, it's so difficult for us because a lot of people don't have a choice on how their child's born and also breastfeeding nobody tells you this might be the most natural thing it is so hard mm-hmm. I'm only yeah. just getting to the point now where I'm sort of not thinking twice about it and I shove her on and shove her back off again but like those first three oh. months are so difficult and I, I completely yeah. empathize and understand why people go bugger this if you see women do it and um, I remember being um, at the baby clinic with my first and there was a French lady in there and she just made it look so natural. And it was like nothing. So she was on the phone. She had this baby. She was sat there, la di da And me, you know, I, I'd had a terrible time and I just nearly ended up back in hospital with it. And it and Ava was so underway. I just couldn't produce it. It just wasn't working. And, you know, I remember being so upset and thinking, God, why didn't anyone tell me? But then when you see someone who makes it look so easy and natural, you think, it's just me. But I think it's thousands of women that find it really yeah, hard. I, I, it's not an easy No, it's thing. not. And like, even, so we were really lucky, like uh, there was something in the water on Boxing Day in 2020, but there's like six of us on my street that all had babies within two or three months. I mean, no we were way. in lockdown. Who can blame us? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, and probably out of like six of us, we all have found breastfeeding at different parts of different things difficult. And that's stat. That's like hundred percent of people. Yeah. Difficult. So why is there not more help and support? And you know what, the NHS are amazing, and you know they are on as knees as it is. But there's a lot to be said for you know what happens post postpartum for women. It's funny as well, and I think we've lost um, in many ways being in touch with ourselves, you know, because a lot of things you will feel naturally, you know, and you, you know, be it what you want to eat or when you want to sleep or, you know, how you feed your baby and when you feed your baby. And that's all kind of, you know, we've lost that that sort of tapping into, you know, what we, we don't trust ourselves enough and we don't give ourselves enough time to say, hold on a minute, Instead of thinking, right, where's the instruction book for this? You know, where's the point of reference for that? You know, we've lost time and we don't give ourselves time to say, right, just let me think a minute. What would, what do I feel's right? And even just like eating together, there's loads of reasons to blue zones uh, and why people Mm. live longer. And yes, of course, it is obviously what you're eating, but also how you eat and socialising and community and all those other intangible stuff that we don't necessarily associate Mm. with you know longevity and living longer but actually sitting down eating yeah. together taking time to eat like and the tuning in thing is a perfect example of that there's so much that's our first thing we say at the guts of because if you go to your gp with a digestive issue their first question is going to be you know when did you last have a poo and what was it like and i guarantee 95 percent of people are like well i don't remember i don't know and they've just been either living with digestive issues or not tuned in to not enough to figure out what's going on or what it is if it's stress um, if it's what they're eating and I think we put a lot of focus on to gluten-free, dairy-free, alcohol-free, fun-free, um, instead of, you know, getting to the root and restriction, instead of getting to the root of the problem and actually just tuning in and figuring out what the root. It's interesting, though, because, like, that's the first thing we always say at the gut stuff is, is to tune in, because I don't think we do tune in unless we're hungover or we're ill. But being pregnant mm. actually really did have to tune in, because ah. I was like, this isn't just about me anymore. It's about her as well, and it's important about what I'm what I'm putting in, what I'm what I'm eating. It affects her, and it, it's pressure. But the tuning in thing is huge. You know, we we are all fell foul to those diets growing up. You know, you eat this and just have cabbage soup before you go to Magaluf, and then go to Magaluf and drink fourteen liters of vodka, and then you know what I mean. And it's like just thinking about what was on the outside. You certainly weren't thinking about what was on the inside. But I think that's the beauty of gut health. It's not about restricting anything. It's about adding stuff in, and you know, it's just a great message. But it's difficult for our brains to compute that because behaviorally, that's not the way we've been brought up. The hot mess mums, Kelly Peg with Jenny Powell. We are working with Cooker throughout this series. Cooker taps are a brilliant addition to any family home. Their Flex Fusion and Nordic taps look great in any kitchen. They're energy and water efficient and are safe to use with little ones running around. Now, one cooker mum is our very own. Yep, you've guessed it, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) You love it, don't you? You absolutely love your tap. Honestly, um, I had to to have a new kitchen because it's about 35 years old. And the one thing out of everything in my kitchen that I just drag people to look at straight away is my cooker tap. I'm not joking, it is a life changer. Genuinely, it is. And I'm like, please come and have a look at this. Look, and the one thing, I I was always boiling the kettle every five minutes. So of course with the tap, 
it's so quick because it just it just sort of delivers that boiling hot cup of water and no more so it's energy saving water efficient it's just brilliant honestly it's brilliant i've got to get one I've got to get one uh, <laughs> to learn more about cooker visit their website cooker.co.uk that's spelled q u o k e r kelly peg jenny powell hot mess mums isn't it funny how like from younger sometimes when you're and obviously you two would know this from DJing it's quite an unhealthy lifestyle isn't it right so you know I find it fascinating because I'm the same in the sense that I'm a much healthier person now and have been in my 30s and I'm now 40 than I ever was in my teenage years or my 20s it's like a lot of people particularly women re-educate themselves when they're older. It's because they're pooing their pants about it and all of a sudden they're like looking really old, dead quick. Yeah. I'm at that place, let me tell you. So all of a sudden you're like, <gasps> but, you look amazing yeah. and you're very health conscious though and always yeah. have been really, haven't you? Well, sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> but I'm laughing because Connie, so she's a student, yeah, third year. So this makes me laugh because this is exactly it. So she'll get absolutely hammered yeah, on whatever it is, cocktails, you name it, not really eat much. And then for the next three days, she'll be eating sauerkraut, you know, and a bit of kefir, uh, you know, necking the kombucha. And then she'll go and do it all again. And she's got this seesaw going on. And I thought, well, she's got it half right. And I'm sure she'll grow out of the boozy bit. But um, it, it, it is it is interesting at that age because it's sort of like extremes, isn't it? It's extremes. But, you know... Even with her, it's rubbing off where she knows that she should be in all the, you know, those sort of things that are good for the gut. Um, and um, I just, I'm just so pleased as people like you out there, honestly, I am. Because with the gut stuff, how, you know, how does it work? You know, if, if, if I don't know, you've got someone like Connie and you've got someone perimenopausal like me and we're, we're aware that, you know, we've got to do something about it and we come to you. So uh, um, at the gut stuff. So, so how can we sort of utilize your, arc of knowledge we always say like you know first you know first and foremost we're an education platform so and we think that that should be available to everyone so the language and the tone of voice and everything on our website is um quite pop culturally it's our tone of voice and we have a team of experts that um you know we write all the content with um and we have uh, I say like our first book we wrote um, with 18 of the top experts in the world, oh. <laughs> 18 of yeah. the top experts in the world about gut health. So everyone from yeah an immunologist to uh, a dermatologist. And we basically said like, we've got a chapter each. If you could give the pop culture version of your specialism, what would it be? And I always say like, it's a brilliant first port of call because it's got all the science in a kind of really basic term. And then we have products. So we have snacking products in retail um, because we think it should be habitual and everyday as a gut health thing. So it's about Mm -hmm. swaps rather than completely overhauling your life. And we've got a recipe book coming out in March here in America and Australia and New Zealand. And yeah, and it was brilliant to make because we said like, if you can't get it in like a supermarket express store, that ingredient is not going in. Um, Too many, too many, especially like gut health cookbooks is like, Go to the, go to your local farm, you know. Go pluck it out of the ground. You're like, what am I going to do? You know. And if you're going to get people like Connie to do it, you know, she's in a dig. She wants to pop down to, you know, the 24 hour supermarket or whatever it is, and try to express whatever and and get it. Yeah, she will. But yeah, you got to be realistic. So that sounds perfect. Yeah, we we said like, can a uni shouldn't make it? Would our mum make it? 
know, right. and and would we would we cook it for our families or whatever? And we're like, okay. if it's fit, yeah. if the recipe's like fitted into those three buckets, we were like, right, that one's in, you know, and, and and it shouldn't be expensive. Gut health shouldn't be expensive. It shouldn't be, uh, you know, five pound jar of sauerkraut. It's cabbage in a jar. <laughs> that we can make ourselves um and you know or it shouldn't be you know a four four quid drink that you know it it can be accessible and it can be affordable for everyone and that's the way it should be mm-hmm. so what's the book called when it's out in um, march sorry. it's just the gut love and cookbook is two and it will send your coffee and uh one is, oh, i'm so getting uh, that i'm writing it down <laughs> Do you know what it was really surreal because when we wrote it so we wrote it as like a team so we have our head nutrition we have our residue developer and all that it was like a proper loads of us in the kitchen just like this what does this taste like does that taste like? it was really good um and I love the times supplement um and a couple of weeks ago they did like a six page spread on the book and the times and yeah it was just like it was great because it was like but also we want the books to be um in places you wouldn't expect them so like you know like we are in high street like all our books and products are in like Superdrug boots wh smith travel because actually the problem with gut health products currently is they're hidden at the back of health food stores so people either think they're inaccessible or they're not for them or they're aspirational um which... i'll get connie to spread them around the library yeah, yeah. that's what you that's what you yeah. know honestly yeah. i think that'd be brilliant we give free books to universities so yeah. And that's the thing, like our bars are in the Boots meal deal this week. And I'm like, that's what we set mm-hmm. out to do. And yes, it's a yeah. harder mm-hmm. journey, but, you know, that's what it should be. We should all have access to be able mm-hmm. to improve our gut health. Um, and it's so important. So, um, yeah, and we're only sort of uh, get bringing more products and services out to, to start making that journey easier for everyone, really. That's brilliant because often, you know, when you sort of um, you pop in those little shops, if you're on at the airport or you're stopping off somewhere on your journey, all you ever see is all the crap. It's all the chocolate bars and the fizzy drinks, isn't it? And you think, mm. how can I have a snack, like a healthy snack right now to just take back to the car? There is nothing but an apple or whatever. Mm. It's so disappointing. Yeah, and I think it's convenient as well, as you say, like people just want to be able to, it's not, they don't want this. And also like mm. our bars, like even our mums, they're like, mums like, oh, they don't taste like birdseed. Um, but we like MPD'd them for a year to make them taste good because that's that's another barrier to access. Like they still, people still have to want to eat them rather than, you know, like before, remember when you used to do like, oh, I don't know, hold your nose and chuck down horrible. Yeah, You, you want to be the first where it, instead of going, Oh, this tastes like it. This tastes like yeah. it's good for you. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you want that to go, really, don't you? Yeah. You don't need people to say that, which would be. I'm sure you'll be the first, no doubt. So with perimenopause, which obviously I'm going through, I don't know if you can tell just from the look on my face. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm interested about the the sort of relationship between the gut. Then, I mean, you're saying that obviously it does affect. You know, it can be really important with um, helping with your hormones. Um, so I presume that, you know, do, do, do things change up a bit then? Would you say that, you know, sort of the diet should change, even though I'm quite sort of mm-hmm. gut aware, um, you know, there's sort of tweaks that I, I should maybe consider that might might help. Basically, I just need some tips. I'm desperate. Yeah. She's going to be writing this down. I've got my pen ready. No pressure. So, yeah, as we said, like the microbiome, plays like a key role in hormonal regulation which obviously includes estrogen but estrogen also affects our microbiome so it's sort of mm. two and, and and menopause if i'm right in saying this when your estrogen drops doesn't it 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But we always say, you know, until the science really catches up and it's specific to you mm-hmm. as a person of what you're going through, yeah. we always say stick, to, don't overcomplicate it and stick to the three gut health fundamentals. So for them, we is fiber, uh, mm-hmm. which is, which is, you know, nine out of 10 of us aren't getting enough fiber. And initially, it's really difficult to get it in your diet, you know. Yeah. Grams is hard to get. Like, yeah. I use ch- chia seeds are a good that, one. Chuck them in yeah. your porridge or smoothies. And what I found was desiccated coconut is really high in fiber. Yeah. I found that out the other day and I was like, right, that's going on the that's old uh, porridge as yeah. well. But it is very difficult to get that in. So, for, so we should all be having 30 grams of fiber a day. And I think right. a portion of broccoli is only two and a half. That's a lot of broccoli you've got to eat in that day to get up. Yeah. So fiber is is difficult to get. That's why nine out of 10 of us aren't getting enough, but it's so important. It's double pronged when it comes to gut health because it not only like our granddad Jim's used to say, makes you go, um, it bulks your stool, but it also feeds your good bacteria. So it's so, so important. And we always say like on your gut health journey, that should be the first thing you should start to think about is fiber. Um, but you can get it through like mixed seeds, for example, having mixed yeah. seeds as a snack you can't swap in white pasta rice or bread for brown whole grain you know those yeah. simple swaps and if people in your family yeah. your kids don't like it try half and half so half white rice half brown rice and then you can slowly start to do the stats keeping skin on all fruit and veg um yeah. i can uh, i do that because i'm really lazy i can't oh, be able to peel anything if that's i'm honest exactly with my thing as well to be honest but roast potatoes are still as crispy with the skin on i can confirm. yeah um my husband was very reticent to try that but uh, yeah i get it but yeah i've had this discussion at home as well you can't do that it's not a roast potato i'm like but just try yeah. it you'll like it yeah well, okay. good, good. Yeah. Um, so yeah fiber keep we've actually got a fiber table on our website where you can download actually how much fiber is in certain foods Oh, cool. and in the future yeah. we would love to see fiber counts on um nutritional mm. labels and i think that's something that we would definitely want to champion moving forward because fiber is so important but again it ain't sexy but we need it so that's the sort of first bit of we we see we've got like a sort of gut health cake if you will and mm-hmm. um, variety is next so we should be having 30 different types of plants a week which sounds like a lot but those mixed nuts that i was just just talking about say you have five types yeah. of nuts in there that's five points so um, right, different okay. colors count as well so points mean prizes in terms of like peppers for example red pepper yellow pepper green pepper you get three yeah. points for that and um, so actually 30 sounds like a lot on the offset but you can squeeze yeah. quite a lot in so variety is is absolutely key and um it also feeds into fiber as well because you're having more plants you're in turn having more fiber mm-hmm. and then thinking about gut health not just about diet and nutrition but all around sleep really affects our, our oh well i don't need to write that one down <laughs> i'm the sleep monster she's the queen of nana naps i am Let's not i get really jealous so sleep exercise there's been a lot of studies on exercise and increasing the diversity of of your microbiome with with exercise because that's the thing like we don't really yet know what a good gut or a bad gut looks like i'm doing um thingies there um but we think that uh more diverse microbiome so different types of bacteria will have better health outcomes um thinking about getting lots of different types so we always say it's like think of your microbiome like a festival like you need lots of different people at that festival to have a really good time so if you had people that just like metallica i don't know who these people are but they ain't my friends um then you 
all the other stages would be empty. You need people like an S Club Seven, Metallica, so different groups of people. And then we sort of talk about the food fat, the food vans. You know, you want different. You can't just have halloumi kebab food vans. You've got, you know, everyone will like different things to eat, and it's the same for our gut bacteria. They'll all like different things to eat. And um, but exercise is an interesting one because Lisa and I in our twenties were of that ilk of you're going to a hit class and you're going to pummel your body for an hour. And that, so we always had that association with exercise as torture um, or 90 minutes in a hot yoga class. You're not allowed to escape. You're not allowed to leave the room. You're not allowed to drink water. You're doing those 90 minutes. But, you know, as we've sort of got on and we've actually looked at the science of exercising, it's we sort of talk about this exercise snacking. So 10 minutes here and there. So if you're working from home, take the stairs twice when you go and get your cup of tea. You know, go around the block. It doesn't have to be intimidating. And I think we all see health and wellness is standing on your head drinking green smoothies and it really doesn't have to be like that it's simple swaps and that's exactly what it what it is when when it is to comes to gut health but if you can get those key pillars of you know fiber and variety and then start to look to fermented foods like you mentioned Jenny earlier about kefir sauerkraut and sourdough is a great entry level into you can start introducing fermented foods into your diet um but I think starting with those the fundamentals is is key and actually as Lisa said earlier it is just about empowering yourself with the knowledge of what actually the gut is because that's essentially how you're going to change long-term behavior and not just do it two weeks for two weeks um, and then and then drop it I love what you're doing I mean because it's so that is so for anyone just starting out that's just so they go on the website and have a look at that and they're just easy simple little steps that you can start to put in which can really work and change somebody's life, you know, mm. over a long period and, of time. And the whole and, family, you know, it's an adventure. Yeah, the whole family can go on. That's that's how I feel mm. about it. And um, so it's um, the gut stuff is the website, isn't it? Yeah, and um, all socials just at the gut stuff. Yeah, and I've been dying to say this, but um, I'm gutted that we have to, um, you know, say <laughs> goodbye to you, really. <laughs> oh, it's pathetic. I'm oh, pathetic. Thank you. I've really enjoyed that. The Gut Loving Cookbook is out in March. Thank you. The Hot Mess Mums, Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. Thanks to Cooker for sponsoring this episode. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be telling you all about their brilliant boiling water taps and the fantastic addition they are to any family home. Not only do they save time, Cooker taps are the most energy and water efficient appliances in the kitchen. A child safe double push and turn mechanism also helps to protect curious kids. For more information, you can visit cooker.co.uk. That's spelled Q U O O K E R.